This podcast is brought to you by HodgePodge Productions. Enjoy and frown less. Ladies and gentlemen, it's HodgePodge time. You guys know I love podcasts. That's why I'm doing a podcast. You also know my hero is Bobby Bones from the Bobby Bones Show. He has a new podcast. It's called The Bobby Cast. B-O-B-B-Y-C-A-S-T, all one word. It's a show that he does from his house. An in-depth interview with songwriters, producers, musicians, artists, all in Nashville. That reveal the stories behind the biggest songs, candid anecdotes, and personal real-life stories. So, you guys know... This is how I do my podcast. That's because Bobby Bones does his podcast the same way. From the house, from my mouth, from his house, from his mouth. So, go get Bobby Cast, B-O-B-B-Y-C-A-S-T, on Apple Podcasts. This is Richard Schroeder. Hey, this is Cole Jones. Everyone, it is Murph from Joker. And you're listening to the HodgePodge Podcast. Hey, it's Derek Norsworthy, and you're listening to the HodgePodge Podcast. Okay, before we on, let me get my microphone. Before we get into the um, actual introduction, um, there is some technical difficulties going on with Brittany's phone. Um, I thought it was my call line, but she said that it was actually her house. So the last probably 10, 15 minutes of the podcast. You can hear it just a little bit. Um, I was barely able to understand her, but I, I understood, but I was barely able to. So um, I, I tried to work on it as best as I could, and this is what we ended up with. So appreciate you guys listening, and let's go to the introduction. Okay, welcome to the podcast. Brittany Bexton is on today. She is the author of the new book, Learning to Believe Again. You're going to hear the story behind that. She's a former... Former country singer, let me get that out right. Former country singer, and now she's trying her hand at indie, alternative, inspirational genre. And now she's working on a brand new album for abused victims. Um, she is also the 2018 Christian Artist of the Year, a nominee. We're going to hear, did she win it? Did she lose it? How did she feel if she won it? If she lost it, you're going to hear that today. I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to give it away on the introduction. But like I said before, we are on iTunes officially. This will be the last time I say it. Go give us a five-star review and write a review. If you give us a five-star review and then write a review, I'll read it. But if you give me a one-star review and then write a review, I'm not going to read it. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. No. Then I'll do it. So my good friend Eric P., Big Shrimp, um, Eric the Tattoo, whatever you want to call him, Brittany Bexton, that he got me this get. Um, one of his best friends. And we're working on getting his podcast now. He's um, and the producer. It's on my Hodgepodge Productions label. We are getting it going, man. Um, we just did a little little fifteen minute podcast here earlier, and putting it up on his thing and trying to get it on uh, iTunes as well. I think it. I think I got a pretty good chance. Um, so here is Brittany Bexton on the Hodgepodge podcast. I am here with Brittany Bexton. Um, the reason I'm going to ask this question for you, um, I've also written a book as well, and you have one coming out in the beginning of 2020, so a little bit, That's right. a few months, uh, and it's called Learning to Believe Again. So that 
the, the reason I'm asking this is because the title, Learning to Believe Again, something had to have happened in your life or in someone's life in general that you stopped believing and then now you got back on the right track. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny, actually. Uh-huh. In my book, I talk about it a little bit. It's not that I ever stopped believing in God. Right. I knew he existed. Okay. I knew he was there. Right. I have a pretty close personal relationship with God, so mm-hmm. it wasn't like I could just suddenly deny that he was there. Mm-hmm. However, my faith was really broken in the right. sense that I stopped believing, or I wondered, I guess, would be more mm-hmm. the way to say it. I wondered if he really had my back, protected me, took care of me, mm. had the best in store for me because of the things that I had been through. So right. it wasn't that I didn't think he existed. It was I wasn't so sure he really had the best in store yeah. or uh, protected me anymore. So, Hence, learning to believe again. What encouraged you to write this book? I- I'm assuming it's a, um, a Christian memoir type. devotional, but oh, okay, it is okay. based on personal stories, some of it. Okay. Some of it isn't as based on personal stories. It's all based on personal experience. <laughs> okay, right. And the ideas that I've kind of come up with going through the mess and things that helped me to heal and really learn to believe again. Mm-hmm. But there are some personal stories and things included. So in that sense, there's some memoir aspects, not your typical devotional. It's a lot more conversational and it has a little bit of autobiography and it even though it's not right so it's somewhat um kind of a self-help slash biography a little bit i mean it's a devotional which is kind of which is kind of a self-help christian way i guess you could call it so yeah we have been trying to figure out how to categorize it and kind uh, of in the recovery so is this um book self-published or is it published by a book publisher How, how how did it go about getting published I have a book publisher in New York, okay. um, Morgan James Publishing. I got connected with them at the beginning, well, actually, not at the beginning of this year, at the end of last year, mm-hmm. a friend connected me to one of their friends who was in the publishing world, and she connected me to them, okay. and it just fit from the beginning. So I signed a book deal with them in January okay. and have been working on with them to get everything ready for release going through the editing process and the book cover design and all of that good stuff. So how long did it take you to uh, write this write this book? About a year. Right. That That's the same thing with me. Um, I've been writing it on and off for close to two and a half, three years. Um, I'm going to have to take the route of self-publish. Um, yeah. Because I got with this book publisher and they liked it. They wanted to do it. I was writing a sequel to the it's, it's, it's actually an autobiography. It's called um, For Those Who Said I'd Fail. Um, it was just a bunch of my, you know, you can't write a lot when you're 21 because a lot of stuff hasn't happened. But it's just what has happened, how I did it, and how you could do it as well. And I was writing yeah. a sequel to it. They came back and they said, hey, we don't want to do it anymore. Blah, blah, blah. So that kind of failed. So I'm in, the, I'm in the route of self-publishing mode now. I've actually been in talks with people. So, yeah. Um, so what, I don't want to get too personal here, I try to stay away from being too personal, but what happened in your life where you thought your faith had, you know, took a downward spiral from where it was at? 
It wasn't one thing. It was a lot of things. Okay.
I'm worried that my roommate will kill my bunny if I'm not here protecting him. I am not safe either. Right. So, I mean, I know that's kind of a crazy roundabout way, but... No, I get it. I, I, I get it. Um, so, was this tough to talk about before you wrote the book? Were you going through any kind of... When you were writing the book, you know, were you going through any kind of depression or anxiety talking about what had happened, what had occurred for this to this learn to believe again happened? Not with that. No, Honestly, okay. it was probably about uh, four years ago now, I realized that I hadn't thought about him in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. It was very traumatic when I went through it. But that, ironically, is not what made me really struggle with my faith. It was kind of a series of things that continued after that. I, that situation wasn't over as soon as I moved out either. I ended up having to get a restraining order. I had to take, go to court about five or six times because the guy appealed the restraining order more than once. Mm. And I went through a series of other crappy living situations. But the thing that kind of hit me over the edge was really that I had had a close friendship with someone who I found out after two years of being friends and close that he was hiding a double life from me the entire time. Mm. And everything kind of blew up and it exposed certain things in the music industry in ways that I, no one really wants to look at. And it just was a major, major betrayal. And for me, it had been just this crazy series of things. Mm. that had added up and that was sort of the final straw that I'll, I'll say in a sense broke my nervous system right. because I ended up with PTSD ah got you got you which I didn't really know until I got involved in a relationship like over a year after that sure and I suddenly started being triggered by absolutely nothing mm. so I'd be happy and then all of a sudden <laughs> I'd be panicking and think that I'd lost everything and mm. that the world was ending and I knew logically that that wasn't right, but my nervous system didn't. Mm-hmm. So it was like I was automatically thrown into fear and grief, which right. is kind of what happens with PTSD. Mm-hmm. There are different types of PTSD, like soldiers' PTSD, they often have visual flashbacks right. and things. Right. Uh, the kind of PTSD you usually get from abusive relationships and abuse and trauma mm-hmm. that is a little more extended and drawn out is usually called CPTSD, which is complex. PTSD, mm-hmm. and you get emotional flashbacks more than the other, and your body lives in a relatively constant state of fair flight. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, ahead. I mean, without going into any more detail, I had just dealt with a series yeah. of frails and things, and right. I kind of came to a point where I realized I had PTSD, and I needed to get healing for it, and I started going to counseling for that, mm-hmm. and really learning to find my own voice again. And during that time, I had met someone who was a really strong Christian. And you know how you meet some people and they're just so full of the light of God, you know, that they just almost radiate that peace? Well, that was what he was like. And I remember looking at him and thinking, I used to have that. Mm -hmm. I haven't had that for a long time. And it wasn't that I stopped praying. I did. I prayed every morning. I prayed every night. Mm -hmm. I went through all of the motions that I had done before, but I didn't feel that peace, and I didn't feel that presence, you know, because I had just been through so much, it was really hard to believe that I was cared for and protected and all of those things. 
But I saw that in him, and I just remember thinking, I want that back. Right. I want to feel that way again. And it's going to take some time, but I'm going to fight for that. So it kind of started my journey, literally <laughs> learning to believe again and kind of fighting through that doubt and fighting through that pain and growing through facing the events that I had gone through and mm-hmm. all of the emotional trauma that had come with those things mm-hmm. and spending time healing. So you sound very, like, were you raised in a very religious family or did you find religion later in life? It's kind of a funny question. I was not raised in a very religious family, mm-hmm. but I didn't find religion later in life. I knew God when I was little, despite my family. Mm-hmm. Now, I did go to church when I was really young. Right. My dad used to fall asleep in the pews and embarrass my mom, so they stopped going. <laughs> right. <laughs> My dad, well, my whole family, we're all creative brain types, right? So we're night owls, and we don't sleep well. And my dad would work through the night on architecture, and then not want to get up in the morning, but he would, yeah, religiously fall asleep at church, no fun intended there. Um, so my mom just couldn't stand the embarrassment of it, and we stopped going to church mm. as a family. But I really long for that connection with God and I guess I can say I just always felt the connection with God. I always felt his presence even when I was young. I'm really sensitive to energy and people's emotions and other things so a lot of the time when I was little I knew what was going on before anyone told me mm-hmm. and I kind of attribute that to being close to God. I guess you could say you know in terms of spiritual gifts I'm somewhat prophetic. Right. So it was kind of impossible to deny that God connection, right? Mm. But I didn't go with my family. And I loved music, so I started going to youth groups with some of my friends and singing in the church choirs. Mm. So the only time my parents and brothers would go to church is if I had a choir performance with the church choir, but I Uh, sang in the church choir and went to youth group every week. (laughs) So I kind of grew up religious I guess you could say I remember going to church when I was little but I remember this church because we went to a southern baptist church and I remember okay. they were being so judgmental um and and it kind of scares me a little bit because I don't want to go back and go through you know if you're a kid you're getting yeah. you're, you're getting judged and you're getting bullied at school but then to go to the church where you're supposed to forget all that they do it again and it's like because i was a big fan of i still am a big fan of wrestling um big giant fan so i'd always have these posters of like john cena and stone cold and the rock up on my walls and then yeah you know we go to sunday school and they'd be like just pick you out of everybody and go you need to get rid of that poster because that's not godlike well what you're doing is not godlike because you're judging and it 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 just put this it just put this fear it was like i don't know if i want to go back because I've already put the negative stuff behind me, and if I go back, you know, and it's not just that church, it's like any other church. If I want to go to the one down the road, I don't know if I could because the one that I went to 15 miles down the road, you know, did something mm-hmm. to my trust, and I, it, 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 it's just a weird situation. I totally understand that. I didn't like attending normal services usually when I was a kid, right. unless I was performing youth groups, I always had a different experience. Mm. It seemed, well, at least I was lucky enough to have really fabulous youth pastors that weren't judgmental, 
and taught things in a really healthy way mm-hmm. and allowed us to share our faith in a healthy way. But even one of the youth groups that I went to when I was a kid that I loved, I went to a normal service on Sunday once. Heard part of the sermon that made me really angry because it was so judgmental towards a certain group of people that I got up and walked out in the middle and would never mm-hmm. go back. Yeah. Because to me, loving Jesus is a lot different than being religious. Right. And when people really love and know Jesus and know God, they know that God is love, and it's really not about just... Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have a right to create boundaries in our life, because that's actually one of the things I talk about in the book a lot. Right. I don't think that most churches actually promote healthy boundaries. We're absolutely supposed to support healthy boundaries and not allow people in our lives that are destructive or poisonous to us, right? Mm-hmm. However, we are not supposed to judge. Yeah. I went to this church at one point in California where one day the pastor talked about how it seems that people think that there is acceptable sin and they decide for themselves that their sin is acceptable but another person's isn't and they think they have the right to judge and it's just so wrong because in the kingdom of God, I mean, all sin is sin, right? Right. And actually, if you really know God, the judgment and the harmful behavior towards others is far more sinful than so many of these things that Mm. these people will judge for, right? Right. Religion is a, it's a serious thing because I look at, you know, like if you're Catholic, you look at all the other people as you're doing it wrong because we're doing it right. And then you look at um, maybe the Muslims. You're doing it wrong, but we're doing it right. And it's it's just a, it goes full circle of how, you know, you go to a church. I don't know if most churches are like this, but ours is where it was like, you're Baptist. You believe in the King James Version of the Bible. All the other Bibles are sin. And if you read those, then you are going to burn in hell because you're not living by what God said. You know, <laughs> it's one of those weird things where it's like, man, you know, you don't know what to do anymore because once you stop go- getting out of that routine and going there, you realize that that's not really true. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the reality is, I mean, it says in the Bible, anyone who's really studied the Bible knows that a lot of mm-hmm. that a lot of churches say it's so far out of context that really is not accurate. You know, right. the things they use for judgment, mm-hmm. the way they they throw stones, metaphorically, right? Mm. Um, there are just so many beautiful parts in the Bible that guide us in the way that we should live. And talk about the Holy Spirit, too. And that's what I think is so lost in churches. Right. Now, I will say that there are churches that call themselves Holy Spirit-led, but I even think those churches get pretty twisted sometimes. That was because one I of think ours. People, <laughs> yeah. I think people also feign Holy Spirit uh-huh. and especially receiving the presence and the guidance, right? But when Jesus died and rose, he said, you'll have something better, a counselor, a friend, my Holy Spirit, right, mm-hmm. within you. Mm-hmm. I'll always be with you. And that's for all of us. Therefore, we all have the Holy Spirit within us to guide us. It's part of what tells us when things are not right. Mm-hmm. It's part of our conscience, right? right. Guiding us differently or helping us to come to a place of remorse and repentance. I don't believe in guilt or shame. I think those are evil, but I do believe in remorse and repentance, right? Right. Um, 
but there are so many things that the Holy Spirit does, including guiding us to help others, giving us words of affirmation, confirmation, just things that can only come from God. And mm. when you take the Bible and you make the past 100% everything, and you take it out of context, you totally miss the Holy Spirit. Right. And a lot of the time, you miss the love. And, you know, when Jesus came and people asked him what the most important law was, he basically threw all of them out and said, love your God with all your heart, mm -hmm. all your soul, and all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. That is the law. The yeah. other law doesn't matter. It's not about the details of those things. It's, it's what you're doing loving. Right. Is it loving God? Is it loving to God? Is it loving to yourself? Is it loving to your neighbor? And that particular verse, too, is twisted out of context in different ways, you know, because I would say, I would say that the church promotes a culture of codependence mm -hmm. a lot, mm -hmm. where they promote you putting others above yourself all the time, and that is not God's way, and that's not healthy. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying someone should just be totally focused on themselves, self-centered, that's narcissism, right? There yeah. are different extremes there. But if we don't love ourselves, we cannot love others. We love because God <clears throat> first loved us, which implies that we need to be filled with God's love, right. that we need to first take care of ourselves before we can take care of anyone else. Mm -hmm. And that is not for tendency, that's health. In mm. fact, it's a loving thing to do for those you love and care for to take care of yourself because if you're not, you're not functional, right? Mm -hmm. You can't help anyone else. You can't contribute. So there is sort of an imbalance there in the way it's preached a lot, but it says love your neighbor as yourself, which implies that you're supposed to love yourself, right? Right. So that really is the law, and the law is love. Mm -hmm. And God is love. And if we base everything off that, that's pretty much everything that happens with you're going to burn in hell or all the hateful things, it's just a lie. You know, yeah. it can all be streamed through that filter in a sense. Yeah. Do you, and, I was going to ask you this. Do you think, um, like the um, 90 minutes in heaven or the 90 minutes in hell, do you think that these people really saw what they say they said because the only reason I'm asking that is because remember that little boy was it um uh, heaven is for real where he, mm -hmm. he, he the the guy the dad came out and said that he had faked the whole story so once that story came out that the little boy saw God there was 15 more books so do you think it's like a it was a cultural phenomenon like um these guys, uh, this person's coming out and saying Bill Cosby raped me, so 15 other people are going to come out to share the same experience that they had because they were scared to say it. I think that people that have had a near-death or death entrance mm -hmm. resurrection experience, so to speak, have really experienced those things. Okay. I don't think everyone's experience is going to be exactly the same. Right. But there are enough similarities too and you hear different people share slightly different things but the experience of it is similar my mm -hmm. grandfather actually had an experience like that at one point and told my dad that it was just peace beyond anything he'd ever known and it was hard to come back <laughs> right so, so do you 
I, I do. I think those are real. I mean, I'm sure that there are mm. people that might like to pretend for the phenomenon of it, right, and the fame of it. There are going to be people like that in every arena, but I don't get to discount the true story. Right. So do you think... I, 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 I'm gonna ask this and then kind of go back into your music wise because this is kind of getting a little getting a little deeper <laughs> than what I expected, which is fine. Which is I keep this real, so nothing's gonna be edited out or toned down a little bit. But what do you think happens, you know, once you pass away, once you die? Because of what I recall in the Bible, it says the dead in Christ will rise. Well, he would want your spirits, right? If you're dead, he's not gonna want your body. So. <clears throat> My, what I'm comprehending there, maybe I'm thinking out of context, maybe we're not going more into context, but what I'm taking out of that is when you die, you're dead and you, 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 you're just here. Like your spirit is here. And then when he blows the trumpet and you go up, that's when your spirits are finally released from here and they go up there. What do you, th- I mean, I know, that, I, know that's, I know that's a lot to comprehend what I said. But what do you think? I mean, because it's a confusing context. That that that's why I wanted I wanted to get you on here to 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 talk about this because I know you're a religious person a lot. I would call myself more spiritual than religious for okay. the reason well, that you said earlier person. that a lot of religions twist things and right. become hateful in different ways. But so that's that's a hard question because mm. none of us really know unless yeah, yeah. we've experienced yeah. it, right? Mm. And even those of us who have experienced it with near-death experiences haven't experienced it fully because they came back. So they were kind of on the rim, right? Mm -hmm. There's a verse in Corinthians where it says, now I see in a mirror as there's this kind of a thing where it talks about how we don't have the whole picture. It's like we see in a mirror. It's a a blurry picture, but someday we'll see fully. Mm -hmm. I don't that's something we can know. I don't I don't try to define God's parameters for the parameters of heaven because it's so beyond anything yeah. that I can really fully comprehend. Right. You know, and it's not something that we are meant to really fully comprehend in human form. What I do know is that there will be peace. Mm-hmm. That there will be connection with mm-hmm. those that we have always been close to. Mm-hmm. We will be with God. Mm-hmm. And that we'll be able to watch over those that are still here, I believe, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that looks like or who that feels like or how exactly it happens. And obviously our bodies don't survive, but our spirits do. You said we watch over when we go to heaven. You know how I picture that? I I don't know if you've ever seen the the Scooby-Doo movie with, um, was it, Freddie Pritch Jr., well, in in that mm-hmm. in that film, they have their spirits, and they're in a big fountain, and they're looking at them going around. That's that's how I picture, you know, people looking down at you. Is they just, you know, they that's that's how I picture it. But do you think? <clears throat> one last question on this. Um, do you think there are missing books of the Bible? The reason I ask that is I, I, I I'm somewhat of a spiritual person, I guess you could say, but. I'm not going to argue with you if you don't believe because it's not like I can change your mind quickly, you know. Um, But I'm big into conspiracies, and there's this conspiracy that there are missing books of the Bible because it goes to when he was born, and then it goes to when he was 12, and then it skips all those years to where he was 31, 32 when he was crucified. 
So does it specify somewhere in there what had happened between those ages that it, that there's a big age gap? Or, or, or what? Do you think that there could possibly be something that was not put in there? There is at least one book that covers those years and basically say that he worked. <laughs> he was okay. ready. Okay. But obviously it doesn't sell just those years. Now as far as whether I believe there are other books, I mean, is it within the realm of possibility? Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing and frankly a miracle that we've recovered all that we yeah. have over right. the time, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, we could just say that those books are very old. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very old. Mm. They've been a long time. It's a miracle that they've been kept this long. That said, the books that are included aren't the only books that they found necessarily, but they're the ones that they can most easily prove mm. were actually original scripts because right. there are so many accounts of them and there were so many of those books. Mm. So, have they found others? Yes. Do we know that that's really a valid book or it's just someone doing what you said earlier, you know, pretending that they had a near-death experience, right. so to speak, and writing about it for the same or not? It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. The reason the books that are in the Bible are in the Bible is because they've been able to see over time that those ones are the most provable that they were part of the original script. Right. So I don't really have an opinion either <coughs> way. I mean... Right. I'm open to the idea that there could be, but yeah. I also know that there's no real guarantee that those are actually God-breathed or part of the original script, or that yeah. some of those books are just people uh-huh. being wackadoos and wanting a little bit of attention, right? I got you. So, I mean, to me, it's more about Holy Spirit, because I don't care whether someone wrote a book that wasn't included. I do right. care about what God speaks yeah. to me now. Got you. You know? Yeah. I don't want to... I, I think that... It wasn't ever meant to be an end, necessarily. God's still living and breathing, and we still have the Holy Spirit. He still speaks to us. So right. the Bible wasn't the end-all, be-all. Right. And I don't want anybody to get too uncomfortable with these uh, with these questions and answers, including you, Brittany. So I'm going to back off of it a little bit. I'm going to... Um, you said earlier um, that you moved to Nashville. So you were a former country singer, correct? But now you're trying... Um, yeah, alternative and inspirational and indie genres, correct? Am I right or am I wrong? Well, I was promoting myself country. I'm promoting myself a little differently now. I still, my music is not all that different, although we did take the super country stuff out of the production, so we definitely have banjo in the current album. (laughs) So it's kind of a Carrie Underwood vibe, because she's kind of an inspirational country singer. I guess you could say. Yeah, and my music has always had roots, rock roots, some blues in there. So it's always really been crossover anyway. I used to play shows where I was, I was toured full-time for four years. And I would go out touring, and people would be like, genre are you? Uh And here I'm doing covers and things too, and I've done a bunch of country covers, you know. It's like, well, I'm country, and oh, really? I didn't realize that. Yeah. And it's because... I mean, I have a really big voice. My voice is mm-hmm. a cleaner sound, so it's a little... I have a blues, bluesy vocal, bluesy right. vocal. Someone told me once that I was like the country version of Adele. <laughs> now, I can see that. You, you, count, you, you sound kind of... Um, 
singer songwriter genre vibe. If if that if that makes any sense yeah. to anybody. It, no, that's it's true, and there's a lot of rock roots in that. Mm-hmm. I grew up on a variety of music, but I would say that the most influential music to me growing up was rock. So, so what? So I what kind of rock band did you like? Well, my parents listened to oldies constantly when I was little. Okay. So until I really had the choice, <laughs> I listened to oldies. So lots of Motown, tons of Aretha Franklin and stuff right. like that. You know, loved, loved, loved it. Aretha's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I also grew up singing jazz and listening to jazz and love like Ella Fitzgerald mm-hmm. and Etta James and some of those folks. I used to think that Pat Fine was a jazz singer. I grew up on her music too, but I thought she was a jazz singer. Mm. And you know, to be fair, despite her being really the queen of country, she kind of was a jazz singer. Right. Those songs, a lot of the ones she did were jazz sport, and she had some more jazzy vocals. But I just didn't even realize that I was getting early country education at that point. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't realize she was a country singer, right? Right, your oldies oh, and my I, oldies are different. Like your oldies is like <laughs> Aretha Franklin and BB King. My oldies is you know the Beach Boys, and <laughs> it's no offense against. Oh, the Beach. I grew up on the Beach Boys too. Man, I, I loved the Beach, Beach Boys. Boys. My favorite album from Beach Boys is Pet Sounds. Man, when they release God yeah. Only Knows, oh my God, that, that is still mm-hmm. today one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite albums of all time. That is one of my favorites too. I had the Beach Boys Greatest Hits when yes. I was a kid, uh-huh. and I would listen to it over and over, and every night I would fall asleep to I, The Beach Boys is like the closest to uh-huh. obsessed with a group I've ever gotten, because I'm just not, I'm not a fan girl. I'm just not. I don't think girl over people. I yeah. respect them. I want to talk to them, uh-huh. talk music, but I think of them more as peers, but I was a kid, and I love their music, and they are the closest to fangirling I've ever gotten. And I totally went to one of their concerts when I was a kid. Granted, they weren't all alive still, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't it was know. Still a great show. I don't know if you've read Mike Love's book, but I, I finished it for the second time a couple of weeks ago. And man, their story is just so amazing. How they, how Brian and and Mike really didn't get along, and then how they had to. You know, they ignored everybody. They they ignored themselves in in, in the dressing room, and they only talked to each other on on the stage and then how they reconnected that and it's it's it's, it's just like man those guys went through all of that you know it's a weird yeah, story of how I haven't happened. read that book I'll have to check it out so what well, what um, is the book called it is um let me see good vibrations my life good as a beach boy yeah I'm looking I'm looking at it on my shelf right now it's called um yeah good vibrations my life as a beach boy um you have to shoot me a message yeah yeah title or a picture when we're done <laughs> so what kind of books um I, I i read memoirs autobiographies biographies i mean that, that's just what i like um and i'll definitely check your book out because it's a, kind of along the, the same lines but what kind of books do you enjoy reading oh such a variety but honestly right. mm-hmm. i hate to even admit this but in the last few years i've been so busy it's been hard to yeah. read the way i like reading right i usually end up reading at bedtime <laughs> Uh-huh. And then I get through maybe three pages before I'm falling asleep, right? So yeah. it's not like I have the downtime to read the way I do. Now, growing up, I really loved autobiographies and biographies. Right. Uh, I like non—I fiction as well. Mm. I mean, I 
love a good story. Anything that's crime drama related, I get really into. <laughs> Whether it be a TV show or a book, uh-huh. I like humor too. I never got into the romance novels. Right. Crime and humor in Boston, I was good with that. I'm reading, um, it's going to sound weird, but I was, where was I at? Barnes & Noble, books, one of the bookstores, and I picked up, because um, Motley Crue, I've read all their books except for um, Nikki Sixes, because I could never find it. Well, I picked it up after I watched the Motley Crue uh, biopic on Netflix, and they had a big okay. sale put up, and it's the first five novels of The Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum, and I was like... I, oh my God. I, and I was like, I watched the movie, you know, I want to see what the difference is. Man, these this book is fantastic. I never thought I would say that about it because the movie wasn't my favorite. My brother was addicted to it when he was little. But this book is so good. I don't, and it, it, it's weird because Dorothy, like, you know, um, she was probably in her, what are, they, what are they, 15, 16, 17, 18 in the movie is what they portrayed her. She's like 9 or 10 in the uh-huh. book. Interesting. And it is one of the... It's weird, but it's one of those good weird ones, if that makes sense. It's just as strange as the film. Yeah. <laughs> so... Well, that's the only thing that's around the age, too. It is a happy factor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you were so, the... She must have been younger, and I... We see Scarlett... Right. Right. Um, you're breaking up a little bit, but I can still understand you a little bit. I hope you guys can. I'm trying to fix it right now. I don't know what it is. Um, but you were the 2018 Christian Artist of the Year. You were a nominee for that. So I wanted to keep myself a surprise. Did you win it? Did you lose it to someone else? Did not win it. Was not a surprise. I was nominated. I put my new album out. Yeah. But I was not me. Um, uh-huh. I feel the need to get the book, but I feel the need to get the book, but I read going up. It'll be really quick. I mostly crazy, bizarre, and hilarious. I think also the best CF loop of love. But really, the messing with this book. So it might be uh, usually a sign at my house, but. Okay. No, you're good. Okay, I think I can understand you a little bit now. It was so. I want to re-ask this because I didn't hear anything you said. Uh, you were the 2018 oh, okay. Christian Artist of the Year nominee. I think you said you did not win that, right? Because you hadn't put out an album or something like that. Right. I hadn't even put an album. It wasn't something that I promoted or pushed for. I was just grateful and surprised to be nominated because some of my fans nominated me without my knowing, so I found out ah. that I was nominated and didn't even really know about the award. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was cool. Uh, but yeah, I hadn't put out any of my new music yet, really, so I don't think that there was really even a way I could win because no one else besides my fans yes. that follow me closely had any idea. Got you. So, speaking of new music, um, you're working on a new album for Abused Victims, is that correct? Yes and no. Okay. It absolutely is raising awareness but it's not really in your face. Probably most people listening wouldn't necessarily know, but the Uh, themes and things in it are related to that. So the first single on the album, which is called Believe Again, Mm -hmm. is about my own journey healing from 
PTSD, abuse, mm. all of those things, and kind of coming back to belief again. Right. Mm, this, the other songs are all a little bit different. So there's one called Kiss and Fear Goodbye. Mm-hmm. It's really about facing your fears and saying, that's it, I'm done with you, kind of a thing. There is one called I Remember You that's about depression. Mm-hmm. There is one called Dance with the Devil, and that's going on the cycle of devil in the dance is abuse, mm-hmm. and kind of talks about the so have you um, and then I, go ahead. I have one called Chasing and a friend so there I mean I just wrote songs that I thought people needed right for my own journey I wrote songs for friends mm-hmm. and the actress of the song so, um, do you have a title for the album yet? Yeah, it's Metamorphosis. I guess that could be changed, but that's been my plan the whole <laughs> So, is that a song title on the album, or has it just come up? Because no, no. no because I do not like song uh, album titles that are that are song titles because I think you know if people work two years on an album and they let's say they got a song called Laptop and they name the album Laptop to me that's kind of like you're putting everybody else's work aside and put the one song that you like as the album title um I think Keith Urban said it best I was watching his his big interview with uh Dan Rather the other day and he said that he does not name any of his albums any lyrics or any song word as an album title because he doesn't like to point out a specific song or a specific melody in the album. And I think that's that's good. Uh, or, or, or I like how they do that. I do understand. And I guess that was part for me was not wanting to point out a particular song. I have song titles for albums before, but don't say songs you should focus on. I think like the only reason to name an album after a song is because that song is the theme of. I mean, it would be just as easy to call the album "Believe Again." Right, 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 right. Because that song is sort of what caused the spinoff to create this new project, anyway, right? And all of them, in a sense, are related to that journey, right? Uh-huh. So that's the way I see it. If someone does name an album a song name, it's not like, oh, here's my single in your face. <laughs> right. Or at least it shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. I think of it as this song encompasses the theme of the whole album, mm-hmm. and each song of these is a piece of that story, so it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. But with this particular one, I didn't want that to be the case. I titled it Metamorphosis because it was sort of my transition into slightly different twist of my own music um, reaching out into the inspirational Christian genre although these are all crossover songs you know how like Lighthouse and Switchfoot are Christian but they're not really in your face Christian yes. they play mainstream they used to play on rock radio stuff right yes my music is kind of like that it's not in your face it's not worship tunes and it does cross it crossed over probably in a number of genres, kind of mm. the most, a lady and a 
acceptance and things. You get into the adult contemporary section, like, you know, adult contemporary kind of pop, but you get into the inspirational Christian, and you mm-hmm. kind of find attention. So, I would really rock on the right people after this kind of station that has to rock. They don't really play the rock anymore. Uh, they do, but they're confused, and so it's not we're going to be doing four or five of us together <laughs> um, so how did you how, how did you come up did Eric come upon you or did you know him from a while back how did I meet Eric yeah how did you yeah I actually met all of my dick so I want to say that it was Whoever 
got to open for Keith Urban for the festival. And Eric was one of the people that was literally all night trying to collect votes. It was really <laughs> cool experience. A lot of people out on and helped me out. And that's when he and I really got to know each other. The people that rallied everyone. Eric, you know he doesn't please well and he's often up in the middle of the night so it only makes sense that he was the one rallying people right to vote for my music <laughs> well Brittany I appreciate you being on here um, guys you can go get um, when, it, when is the actual release date for Learning to Believe again it's supposed to come on bookstores very short it will be available for sooner than that as far as I know I think as soon as we get the cover of the book finalized, it will be okay. available for the order. So that'll be happening within a month or so, likely. Uh, with go online and pre-order at a Barnes & Noble or whatever bookstore you have close by. Uh-huh. Um, it will be available online also. The ebook is supposed to come out in November. Okay. Now, yeah. I do I do recommend getting an actual copy of the book because it doesn't make space. But if you are fanatic, absolutely read it that way. You're just going to have to journal in your own book. Notebook <laughs> 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 or something. Anyway, so we officially out on bookstore February 4th. Alright. I have some special copies before that that we'll probably be doing some contests and things for, uh-huh. but other bookstore shelves February 4th, and if you are interested in the book, definitely order ahead. <laughs> Go to your bookstore and say, Mm-hmm. Well, I look forward to reading the book. Um, I'm going to read it. I hope all the other ones are looking forward, all the listeners are looking forward to read the book. Um, when her new album, Metamorphosis, it has a release date, I will come on here and I will announce the date so everybody can go listen to it, go get it, go buy it, whichever you want to do. But I appreciate you doing this, Brittany. Thank you.